Welcome to the latest episode of Comic Book Physics, hosted by Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. Now, this month needs to start with an announcement of a slight format change. As some of you are already aware, I've got a new show going called the Unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown Podcast. It's a weekly show counting down the 75 greatest Marvel stories as voted by Marvel listeners, or readers, I should say. And I'm finding that that's taking a little more time than anticipated by the time I finish coordinating with guest hosts and splice two Audacity audio tracks together and whatnot. So with that and some other demands on my time that have increased, I've got a choice to make. I can either drop a show or find some way to streamline production. I do not want to drop any shows. I've already put the Math from Scratch series on hiatus and it's sadly probably going to stay on hiatus until the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels is done, just because that also takes a lot of time. So I don't want to drop anything else. So what I need to do is streamline production somehow. Now, in terms of the podcasts I do, there's this one, there's the Silver Screen Superheroes, there's the X-Files. This and the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels are the two that have the greatest demands on my time. So what I've chosen to do is kind of kill two birds with one stone. So between now and May 2016, all of the podcasts I do in the comic book physics series are going to be inspired by something that I read for the other podcast that month. And I'm going to aim for the day and date releases, because this always drops on the last Wednesday of the month, and the unofficial 75 drops on every Wednesday. There will always be an episode of this and an episode of the other show on the same day when this episode comes out. So what I'm going to try to do is have a topic for this show inspired by the same day's topic of the other show. Which means this month we're looking for inspiration from Fantastic Four 262, The Trial of Reed Richards. So we'll be discussing Reed Richards and his abilities this month. I'm still soliciting suggestions for the particular topics coming up. So I'll just run through the simultaneous releases from the other show that we'll be discussing. Anyone who has an idea for a topic that they'd like to hear inspired by that is welcome to email it to Bureau42Podcasts at gmail.com. So running through the list, the February 2015 release is X-Factor 87, in which the remaining members of the team, so that's Rain, Strong Guy, Havoc, Polaris, Madrox the Multiple Man, Quicksilver, they all sit down and talk to a psychiatrist at the requirements of Al Cooper. In March 2015, we'll be going through the complete Chris Claremont run on the New Mutants, so that's 54 issues, 3 annuals, and a graphic novel. April, it's the Kang Dynasty which will almost certainly be a topic about time travel. In May, it's the Wolverine miniseries by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. June, it's Avengers 57, which introduces the Vision. July, it's the Joss Whedon, John Cassidy, Astonishing X-Men run. August, it's Planet Hulk. September is Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. by Jim Steranko. October, it's X-Men Fatal Attractions, so that's likely going to be a Magneto topic, since I've already done some prep work for that. November will be Spider-Man Blue, December, Fantastic Four, The Galactus Trilogy, January 2016 will be Daredevil 181, The Death of Elektra, February 2016 is Hulk number 1, March 2016 is Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the origin of Spider-Man, April 2016 will be X-Men Days of Future Past, and May 2016, the comic series is Civil War, so that one is almost anything goes, that involved virtually every active character in the Marvel Universe at the time. Okay, so now for this month's specific topic, about the trial of Reed Richards. Now, what we're going to be discussing here are Reed Richards' powers and abilities. So, Reed is also known as Mr. Fantastic, the most frequent leader of the Fantastic Four. And he is one of the rubbery or stretchable characters, the malleable ones. He can stretch and contort his body to extremes. 
Now, his powers are different from some of the other ones we've seen. So he is similar to the elongated man in that he can distort his body. It's a little bit different from plastic man who seems to be more of a transformative. So plastic man is able to rearrange individual molecules. So while Reed may not look like it, if you were to somehow knock him unconscious and peel away whatever shape he's made, you'll be able to find two arms, ten fingers, two legs, ten toes, and so forth. Whereas with Plastic Man, those features may not exist by the time he's done his contortions. So Reed is closer to the elongated man at DC than Plastic Man. So he can alter himself consciously to form at least basic shapes like balls, wheels. At one point he tried to contain Speedball. That didn't work out very well. But he can't, say, turn his finger into a skeleton key because his powers are still too elastic and they don't twist and distort and offer the resistance needed to unlock a door. He has been able to go through and pick locks, but it's not because his finger took a key shape and he turned it. It's, you know, because he's stretched his fingers very thin, reached into larger locks, and manipulated tumblers manually with his different fingers. So what deformations are possible in nature? Well, the ones that we typically see from Reed Richards are elastic deformations. Those are ones where you can pull an object, distort it, cause some sort of stress, and it returns to its natural state. So elastic bands were named after the type of deformation that they represent. So Stretch Armstrong, those toys were typically elastic, but pretty much everyone I know who had one of those eventually reached the form of plastic deformation, where they had stretched it and put stress on the toy to the point that it was no longer capable of returning to its natural state. So he always had that one long arm that was just totally distorted and warped. So we will be discussing when Reed Richards hits that limit. There is another type of deformation that we can have, it's just outright breaking it. And that can happen when you put too much strain on the plastic deformation, or you can get some objects that are simply what we call brittle. Now, scientifically speaking, brittle is a technical term that essentially means it breaks before it bends. So a diamond is brittle. Colloquially, brittle means fragile. Diamonds are not fragile, but you're not going to be able to warp a diamond. If you put enough stress on it, you will break it, but it will not bend. That's what makes it brittle. So the bones in an adult human are also brittle in that material science sense. They don't typically bend, or if they do, it's not by much. While most other human tissues have some degree of elasticity. So your muscles are more elastic than your tendons, but they can both have some plastic deformation if they're hyperextended or overextended. Because all elastic materials do have an elastic limit, and when you exceed that, you change the type of deformation. So as I said, the Stretch Armstrong talls would go to plastic deformation next. Most elastic bands, when overstretched, go brittle and just snap instead. And sometimes it depends on how you do it. If you take a blob of silly putty and manipulate it slowly, it is more plastic deformation. If you poke it with your finger, your fingerprint remains, but it's still malleable and still plastic. If you manipulate it quickly, you can cleave it off. So if you kind of make a barbell and then pull the two halves apart very quickly with silly putty, you get that nice clean break in the middle. That's because it becomes brittle. So if you take a blob of silly putty out to a parking lot and hit it with a sledgehammer, you can actually shatter it into all sorts of tiny little pieces. It does work. Just be careful whose parking lot you're using and make sure it's nice and smooth and you've got an appropriate sledgehammer and good aim and yada yada yada. So the elastic limit for Reed, how far he can be stretched before his body suffers permanent distortion, is fairly high. So according to the comics, he can stretch to a maximum of a third of a mile, which is about... 1,760 feet, or just over half a kilometer at 536 meters. Now, if we combine that with the volume of the average human, so the amount of physical space he takes up in all three dimensions, which according to Wolfram Alpha, 
is about 66.4 liters or 0.0664 cubic meters or 17.54 gallons. Then we can figure out, well, how flat can he get? What's his average cross-sectional area throughout his body? And I say average because we'd expect his arms to have less cross-sectional area than his torso because that's the way they start. But we're looking at an average cross-sectional area of about 1.24 square centimeters or 0.19 square inches. So if that's an actual square, we're looking at about half an inch or 0.44 inches or 1.11 centimeters to a side in that case. So that's 293 times less area than is usual for a six foot tall man, which means when he's stretched to his limit, that 293 times reduction in his area corresponds to a 293 time increase in his blood pressure. So if he could stress that much, his body now has much higher tolerances. Normally, if your blood pressure is twice normal, you're on the verge of a heart attack. Reeds can get his up to 293 times normal by the time he's stretching to his limit. Now, it's not pleasant, but if he stretches his arm to the other side of the room, as he does often or often into the next room, he's increasing the blood pressure in, it, in that arm, and he's doing so so casually, his body's got to be able to take it. So either his circulatory system has been outright replaced, or he's got a lot more tolerance than he used to be, or he used to have when he was just a typical human. And everything that applies to blood pressure applies to send the pressures of all other fluids in his body. So that's you know, the fluid surrounding the brain inside the cranium. And for the purposes of this discussion, we also have the same effect on the digestive system. So if he stretches to that limit, the food in his digestive system is going to be under 293 times the pressure that it's normally under. So either things can get very unpleasant and potentially messy when he's stretching like that, or when he stretches, he does so with conscious control over which parts of his body stretch by which degree, or his body has been adapted in the sense that it's got some fast-acting enzymes that really break that food down quickly enough that it's not going to be a problem. Now, this is addressed to a degree in the Ultimate Universe version of Reed Richards, in which his body is just one uniform tissue with a small stomach area that digests things very quickly and breaks it all down. So he no longer has that passage all the way through his body that most of us have. He's just a pocket and nothing comes out. That leads to other problems because that means he no longer has any differentiated tissue. The respiratory system would also have issues because you'd somehow have to get oxygen to the different cells in the body. In the Ultimate Universe version, there is no circulatory system. The Marvel Universe version hasn't gone into as much detail internally, but it does seem like he's just distorting. So all of the systems are still in place. So the respiratory system is still there, but that can lead to problems when he's stretching his chest out and still trying to breathe. So when we breathe, we don't actually have anything that pumps air into our bodies. We just expand our chest cavity with the muscles and the rigid skeleton that we have over the chest area. And then in doing so, we increase the volume available to our lungs, which decreases the pressure within them. And the atmospheric pressure from outside is what forces the air into our lungs. When we compress it by collapsing our chest to exhale, we're just increasing the atmospheric pressure inside or increasing the gas pressure, which blows it out into the atmosphere. So if you're, say, on the surface of Venus, where the atmospheric pressure is big enough to crush you, it'll also force the atmosphere down your throat, whether you're trying to breathe or not. We just don't have the muscles, the muscle strength required to push air out at that much pressure. We'd be crushed on the outside and trying to pop from the inside so that tissue would actually be squeezed rather painfully, I'd assume. So with Reed, we've got a question, how long can he 
maintain that maximum stretching limit without having oxygen problems because he's got to pump that blood under much greater pressure and have relatively low oxygen levels to do that with. It's never been depicted as a problem in the comics, but then again, he usually isn't stretched out for all that long. When he does stretch for a long time, it is depicted as a strain on him, and this could be part of the strain. He's a little bit vague about it, and Reed is the kind of character who wouldn't announce in the strain of battle, oh, this is the limitation I'm hitting. He wouldn't want to tip his hat to that vulnerability to the villains in most cases. Similarly, he'd also have problems trying to, to lift things. We need to look at how strong he would be. Normally, we move and all our whole musculature is based on and depends on the rigidity of our bones. The muscle is attached to two different bones by two different tendons in most cases. We compress that muscle and that will naturally move the bones because they're rigid. It changes the shape of the skeleton. But if those bones are no longer rigid, then compressing that muscle is just going to compress that part of the tissue. They contract a little bit, but it's not in terms of manipulation. It's just outright crushing them or squeezing them together. Now, thankfully, Jack Kirby, whether he thought the Syrian had the science background and just thought it looked cool, the way he was drawing Reed Richards for those first 102 issues plus a few annuals, it really established the way Reed's powers worked, the way other people regard them. And we'd consistently see him drawing normal legs for Reed when he needs to be stable. Or if he does stretch his legs, he'd have Ben Grimm there or someone else holding him to anchor him down to show that there is some of that loss of strength. When he was picking people up from a distance with his powers, he wasn't usually just grabbing them by the hand and pulling with that musculature. He'd wrap his arm around them and then contract the arm. So he is depicted as using the elasticity properties rather than the bone manipulations, which is nice. So as I said, whether Jack Kirby understood this consciously or not, the way he drew it makes it a consistent system. So it really does appear as though Reed has conscious control over how elastic his body parts are to some degree. When he's knocked unconscious, we do see that he does become elastic. He's often flopping around or extended to stretch to some extent, but when he's conscious, he has a control over to which extent he's stretched. This could also be why, you know, he he is bulletproof. If you shoot him when he's not expecting you to, his body will still be elastic and still return the bullets. It seems like he needs to consciously hold himself together. And his natural state when unconscious is to be you know, a little bit larger and flatter. So we do see that he has some exploration. We've got issues that need to be dealt with. For example, when he is overly stretched, especially in the neck area, what would his voice sound like? We know he can still speak, but if his vocal cords are a different length when he's stretched than they are now, well, what happens to a guitar when you add pressure to the strings, right? The pitch changes, or if you put too much pressure on it, you just break the string but it would change the tone of his voice, which means if he stretches his neck too much, Reed Richards here is going to start sounding like Mickey Mouse rather than Reed Richards. Not exactly the most intimidating sound in combat, but the vocabulary he typically uses may help compensate for that. He's not going to be treated as a pushover when he clearly has thought things through and you know, has the right plan and the tactics. The main thing for him is that the members of the team know what they're looking for and still do what he says when he gives the tactics, which is generally the case in the long term. But it took a while for Ben Grimm to come around in the early issues, but that's understandable given what was going on. And it is probably to Reed's advantage if his enemies underestimate him to some degree. So the question, do these powers work as they have been depicted? Is this possible and scientifically accurate? Well, the answer is sort of. The way his 
his powers have been depicted and drawn in the comics, they are completely consistent. There are potential side effects that haven't been addressed, but I have read every issue of the Fantastic Four up until a couple of months ago. I'm behind on my current reading because of the reading I've got to do for the other podcast. Up to this point, I can't think of any specific instances in which there were problems with the way they were depicted. doesn't mean they weren't there. It could just mean I don't remember them because I haven't read most of these issues since the GitCorp DVD-ROM came out. But it is a nice touch that they've got everything consistent. So these issues that they may have, I can't think of any instances where what we see on the page is impossible because of these. It could be the kind of thing that Reed is just doing. I mean, there was a lag between when they got their powers when the Fantastic Four came out. It wouldn't surprise me if that was planned to make sure that, you know, Reed's team, under the guidance of Reed, would have the time to get adjusted to their new abilities and learn to control them. So the biggest issue that we see would be if he does have undifferentiated tissue, as the Ultimate Marvel Universe does. If he doesn't, we just understand that his body's tolerances have changed and that he is using conscious control of his elasticity and the degree of elasticity in his body to overcome the fact that his muscles don't work the way they used to work. And really the only question that's left is whether or not the cosmic rays that gave him the powers could produce this degree of effects. That's something that is a topic for a later podcast. So that's our discussion of Reed Richards and his powers. Please feel free to send any feedback, including suggestions for future topics that correspond to the topics that were listed at the beginning of this podcast to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com. You can also rate the show and find any of our other shows, both on iTunes and on Stitcher. And ratings are always welcome. High ratings are, you know, the kinds of things that help improve the visibility of the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Low ratings are also appreciated if they're honest and if you tell me why it's a low rating. So I'm, you know, not looking for one star with no comments, but if you honestly think it's a one star show, one star because blah, 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 would be appreciated. Because I'm always looking for ways I can improve the shows. So join us again next month when we discuss something about Axe Factor 87, probably the way one of those characters' powers works, and the last Wednesday of every month thereafter for other discussions of comic book physics. Please feel free to check out the unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast as we're going through the 75 Greatest Marvel stories as Marvel readers have chosen them with a variety of guest hosts. And thank you for listening.